0: Hello. And welcome to (laughs) Pop-Tarts. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors at Bust Magazine in Brooklyn, New York. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking all about... Girl groups! Woohoo. Yes! Yeah. And joining us to tackle this tasty topic is one of the world's foremost experts on the subject. DJ Sheila B hosts Sophisticated Boom Boom on WFMU. It is an amazing radio show that celebrates female fronted pop from the past present and future and from all over the globe and here at bust headquarters we listen to it every friday yay (laughs) she's brought her legendary record collection to girl pop dance parties from new york to london to tokyo she was recently featured in the book dust and grooves about hardcore vinyl collectors and she's also a long time friend of bust magazine welcome sheila thank you what a glorious
1: intro i feel so grand (laughs) Sucking on a lollipop on the playground, and ooh, there's a boy, you know?
0: How is one to know this is not a new feat? Do you have the best of the Shangri-Las? You gotta
2: go get it. Go get it
0: today.
1: Phil Spector puts his name on these things, but he's not a writer.
0: I would suggest therapy. Before we get into the groups... Let's talk to our listeners a little bit about how you established yourself as a world-renowned expert on girl groups. How did your knowledge come about?
1: Wow. Experts, it's a its a big word. I like to use the word devotee because I'm always learning, right? It's like I've been at this since probably I was 17 years old. I'm 41 now, so I think that... Even with all of those years and all of the work that I've done in girl groups, I'm still learning. And that's the beauty of of music, 60s pop, girl groups. You can never find out everything. So I moved to London age 17, and I met a couple of people whilst I was in London who were twice my age, who were like serious girl group collectors. And at that time, I was, you know, I'd I'd heard about the Shangri-Las, you know, I'd heard about, uh, you know, French pop artists like Francoise Hardy, but I wasn't hardcore into it. And then through these people, I discovered a compilation called Here Come the Girls, which is a British 60s girl pop compilation. And when I heard that compilation, I just thought, what is this music? It is the most glorious, beautiful, melodic, just voices from heaven. And I thought, this is a gold mine. And then I went over to a friend of mine's house, and he brought a stack of France Gall singles down from his record room. She was a 60s pop singer. And when he played those records on his turntable, I thought that was it. I need to have all the original records. So I started with British and French girls and then got heavily into the US girls at age 17.
0: Yeah. I love this. I love this. And you started record collecting, but at a certain point, I remember when I first met you in the early 2000s, you were doing the liner notes for like the definitive girl group box set. How did you come to the attention of curators that you were the person to write those liner notes? Oh, that was the dream job. And I got that job
1: at 27. And I was so active in promoting girl groups through my fanzine. I had a fanzine called Cha Cha Charming, which started as a print fanzine I and then really ended up on the really web. Nice. I was DJing a lot, I was in touch with all the girl group collectors all over the world. Um, and I think the girl at Rhino who produced the box. And what was the box at, name again? Um, girl, one kiss can lead to another. Girl group sounds lost and found. Right. And, and the wonderful thing about this box was that it focused on the non-hits because there had been many compilations out there. You know, best of the Ronettes, best of the Crystals, and you know, you know, the Supremes, all the kind of really big girl groups. And this paid attention to the tracks that were, you know, the hidden gems. And that is my specialty. I am a hidden gems. Um, just fiend. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so I had done my first compilation, which was, this was like the dream, right? Here Come the Girls, which is the British girls series that I mentioned that launched me into this whole world. They were doing the final um, series of Here Come the Girls, and they asked me to write the liner notes. Yeah, yes. It was like the perfect circle, yes. right? So I just like, I'm writing the liner notes for what got me into girl groups. So it was through that that this, um, the producer at Rhino had heard of me. And she asked me if I wanted to write the notes. Brought me on board and like, oh, what a job. That's so major. It was awesome.
0: (laughs) Why is it that when people say girl groups, they are usually referring to 50s and 60s groups like the Ronettes and the Shangri-Las and not Riot Girl or TLC or Destiny's Child?
1: Because those are the original girl groups. I mean, the whole idea of like a group of singing women started much earlier, right? There was like the Boswell sisters in the 30s and the Andrews sisters, but these are kind of vocal harmony groups. And then in the late 50s, you had the Teen Queens and the Chantelles, and people kind of say that the official girl group record is the Chantels Maybe. <laughs> Which was like 1957, I think, and then the Shirelles. Like that's Will the you, first. That's considered the first girl group record, and then the and then the Shirelles. Will you still love me tomorrow? In 1960, which is also kind of one of the first girl group records. So that was the era of the girl groups. That's what they were called at the time. And so everything that came after that, whether it's like Riot Girl or TLC, it always links back to like, ah, the girl group started, you know, with the Chantels, with the Shirelles the and then sprung out into all different forms later on and it still continues to, to this
0: day sidebar when I was in college we had like a shower room with like multiple shower stalls and my college roommate Anya and I would go in adjoining stalls and sing Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow in harmony I Earth, love this. in adjoining stalls in the college bathroom that's so Cute. beautiful and she's a professional singer now really yeah so I you had helped it her good. get there yeah I'll never have that you kind and the of Shirelles. <laughs> shower sound again uh thematically, Mm. girl group music can be hard to pin down because depending on the group and the year, it can be sweet, it can be slutty, it can be innocent or super challenging. What are the cultural expectations that were put on girl groups and what happened to groups that defied those expectations? Wow, I mean,
1: whoo, deep question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when one talks about girl groups, they talk about innocence and I think that was very much the theme of a lot of this music. like The girl is very starry-eyed and innocent, and the boy is breaking her heart. But he can break her heart as much as he wants, and she'll just always be there because she's so devoted and just loves him. Yet there was also a little bit of questioning. So Say Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, that was one of the first records that was not kind of like 30s naughty where they were, you know, like Bessie Smith talking about like hardcore sex and songs, right? <laughs> so like <laughs> a lot of like good stuff from the 30s by the women, by the way. So Say Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow brought up sex in a very innocent, sweet way of like, if I give my virginity to you, are you still going to be there in the morning? So that was very much a topic. But again, yeah, innocence was always the main theme. And I remember interviewing Leslie Gore many years ago. And by the way, when I talk about girl groups, I'm also talking about solo female artists. So like okay. Leslie Gore is in that category. It's my party. Yes, exactly. It's my party. I
2: mean, it's mm-hmm.
1: a girl pop record but it's like the key word here is girl, right, in this moment. And whether she's singing with other girls or she's singing solo, there's always girls backing her. So Leslie Gore was her own girl group in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. But the backing singer's not credited like they were in the chiffons or the supremes. So Leslie Gore kind of complained that she was just given so much material of like, you know really silly and innocent like I'm sucking on a lollipop on the playground and ooh, there's a boy you know so there's a lot of that in girl group music which is very which is very endearing and also you can understand after with some of these artists especially someone like like Leslie Gore annoying after a while because she's like hey I'm like 17 now and I want to you know I want to sing you don't own me I don't want to sing sunshine you know lollipops and rainbows Mm -hmm. and then then later on you had the Ronettes and the Shangri-Las, which was still innocent, but like the image was bad girl, right? So Be My Baby was still like, oh, I'll do anything for you, right? But Ronnie Spector is coming out in like, you know, high boots and like a Mm -hmm. cool suit and like really playing the crowd with her sexuality. And so that's, you know, that was the kind of rebellious side of the girl groups. And then, of course, it just got more and more rebellious.
0: I always wondered, was there, to your knowledge, a backlash when the Crystals recorded He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss in 1963? He hit me and it felt like a kiss. Like, were people were like... song? I know, yeah. that song is so wrong, it's and so it's so right. And
1: Carole King was, was the writer on that, you know? she Carole King was the writer? Yeah.
0: So, okay, so Carole
1: King, with her husband Jerry Goffin, write that song. Carole King is the is the music and melody writer. Jerry Goffin is the lyricist. Oh. And I think Jerry Goffin was physically abusive to Carole King. Shit. Yeah, and was cheating on her notoriously. So it's very interesting the idea Whoa. that like he would write a song about that. There was another song they did for little Eva called Please Hurt Me. Mm. Which I was about to play on the radio the other day and I actually said, "Listeners, I'm going to actually not play this song. Like we are living in an era that is so messed up right now and so playing a song that encourages physical violence like I'm even though it was written with you know at, in, a long time ago even though it might be a story, like I'm just not doing that anymore." So Okay, so he hit me, and it felt like a kiss. Band, it was it was written intentionally to shock, mm-hmm. but it was it's a, it's also quite a uh, it's not a po- it's not a straight ahead hit pop record, so it's not going to be something that would have you know, yeah. Charted. It's haunting. It's re- it's yeah. hard. It's,
2: yeah, it's, that's an intense song. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: and people have used that word. It like keeps reappearing in like pop music, you know, like. Someone will just throw it in. Like like Lana Del Rey, I think, threw it in somewhere. Mm. You know, it's so it's, I, I find it weird when women take that upon themselves and put it out in the world again, you know? Yeah. And then it was produced by Phil Spector, who's like number one creep in the pop music industry, even though he made brilliant records. I <laughs> Let's know. talk about that yeah. specifically. You yeah. read
0: my mind. Phil Spector is arguably the greatest girl group producer of all time. He is also a well known misogynist and, as you say, a creep. He is in jail for murdering a woman that he barely knew. And he notoriously abused his wife, Ronnie Spector, when he was producing her in the Ronettes. Is there something sinister about the fact that this great women's art form was pioneered by sexist men in a sexist world. Ugh, it's so disturbing. I really ugh. struggle
1: with it, you know. And and when I write my liner notes, I'm so conscious of it that I want to talk as much about the women as possible, and as little about these producers, uh-huh. because ugh, so many. I mean, it's ha- like it is a time of reckoning where we're seeing all of these great artistic men fall because of their just hideousness. So there is a lot of that in the girl group scene. I mean, there's a lot of older men who just love the idea of like taking young girls and putting them together and having them sing their lyrics, you know. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, you have the girls ruling the airwaves, you know, as whoever is behind it, they're up front. Mm -hmm. They're singing their hearts out. They're performing they're establishing themselves as like the female artists behind them. As much as there are mostly men, there were also three songwriting teams, right? You had, you had Ellie Greenwich, you had Carole King, and you had Cynthia Weil. And these three women, though they worked with their husbands, they were extremely talented writing all the hits. So as much as you can say, this is, this is what I, going back to Phil Spector, um, we credit Phil Spector because of his the wall of sound and the production because that's what he demanded but who wrote those songs Carol King and Jerry Goffin, Cynthia Weil and Barry Mann, Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry, like Be My Baby was written by Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry. We never say Ellie Greenwich's Be My Baby. We say Phil Spector's Be My Baby. Truth. Uh-huh, so true. So I try and and think Ellie Greenwich wrote friggin' Be My Baby. This is one of the gr- this is to my, you know, in my opinion the greatest pop record ever ever made. The Ronettes Be My Baby. <laughs> And Ellie Greenwich was the music writer. She wrote those melodies. She wrote the the music. Phil Spector puts his name on these things, but he was not a writer. And then Jeff Barry wrote the lyrics. So, you know.
2: That makes me feel better about things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again,
1: like, this is a problem with music appreciation. We focus on the men. We forget that, like, if you look at the list of what Ellie Greenwich has written, it's astounding. You know? to do ron Then he kissed me. She worked with the Shangri-Las and did all their big hits. You know? It's like... She's the one. We should be saying, you know, hey, there was a lot of crappy men in the girl group world, but there was Ellie Greenwich and Carol King and Cynthia Weil, and they had so much to do with all of this work.
0: You're not only an expert on American girl groups, but we also mentioned that you have studied girl groups from all over the world what are some examples of bands who blended the American girl group sound with another culture and made it into something entirely new? Do all girl groups sing about the same kind of stuff or are there real cultural differences?
1: I mean, at that time, all eyes were either on England or on the U S so, so French, you know, yeah, yeah pop, which is essentially like the girl group rock and roll scene of, of France. And also of course included a lot of men. Um, They're copying what what the Beatles were doing and what was happening now, what's happening with Motown. You know, so they'll like, le twist. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's like that. And then in Japan, they were looking to one instrumental band called The Ventures, who were from the States. And then also the British invasion. So there were female artists and there were girl groups, but they were covering, you know, a lot of what was coming out in the U.S., a lot of what was coming out in the UK. And then they were doing their own stuff, blending these kind of Oriental sounds with this kind of dissonant guitar sound based on Japanese enka, which is Japanese blues. So it's, it's a different scale. So you had this kind of like dark Oriental scale blended with kind of wanting to do like crazy, like shaggy boy pop music. And that's why I love 60s Japanese girl groups and pop music is because it's just such a blending of like crazy stuff, but lyrically it's also very much the same of like I love this boy and he doesn't love me and my heart is crying and maybe there's a few more references to sake
0: in the Japanese <laughs> pop. <laughs> were there any Japanese specific cultural mores that came out? Like were there things that Japanese girl groups couldn't sing about? That Americans could, or vice versa.
1: Oh, I mean, the Japanese scene was much more strict. I mean, Japan is like that in general, and the music yeah. industry is so strict. It's so it's actually really frightening. And just going into what's happening now, and say the K-pop and J-pop world. Like, if you look into K-pop, like if these girls, you know, date a guy that's not sanctioned by their published by their by their entertainment company or their you know their people, they will. I mean. They'll ruin their lives, you know. So the entertainment industry is kept so strict; they're so harsh. And so the Japanese artists, there were no, there were very few female songwriters. So they're basically working entirely with men. The lyrics of a lot of the Japanese songs, some of them are really dark. Like there's a girl named Okumura Chio. She's this feisty-looking, go-go booted girl with a super strong voice. And she has a series of singles called The Love Series, written by two male songwriters. And The Love Series is all about, like, I will, I am so desperate to have you in my life that you can beat me, you can kick me like a puppy dog, and I will just constantly come back. You, you can always be my shadow, so you know what I'm doing. I mean, really dark, dark lyrics. Like very. But when, actually, when I mentioned this to a friend of mine in Japan, this person's response was like, "Yeah, you don't really understand, Sheila. This is this is just trying to express the passion of love. Like I'm so in love that you can do anything to me, and I will be there. You so know? it's like then he hit me. Exactly. It's like then he hit me. And I remember Lana Del Rey also sang talked about this in one of her songs. I don't know if it was what's track i forgot which track it was maybe it was something about violence she's you know like i'll kill myself for you and she kind of came out and said you know people are kind of calling me out on this but this is just to express just how in love i am and so you can see it both ways i have a problem with like like really like you love somebody so much that you're willing to like let them like beat you like
2: i don't know i would suggest therapy yeah, yeah. <laughs> to throw that out there. I hope we're
1: past this, you know, but we're not. Like, there's still this thing in women that really started, a lot, I think, with the girl groups of, of, I'm so in love with you that I will take anything. And that's so dangerous and so disturbing. So I stay away from those records.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> when I interviewed David Johansson of the New York Dolls for Bust magazine, Ooh. many years ago, mm-hmm. big girl group fan. Uh, Well, yeah, I asked him his influences and right away off the bat, he said the Shangri-Las. Not only did he say the Shangri-Las, but he was like, do you have the best of the Shangri-Las? You got to go get it. Go get it today. (laughs) And I did. I went and got it that day. Awesome. And it was the best. But yeah, he said right away his number one influence was the Shangri-Las. And it was really surprising because men in rock very rarely go right to a woman or, Mm. or a girl group when asked that question. Um, as an expert, can you think of any other male rockers who really owe a debt to the girl group sound? Morrissey. Yes. He's such a big girl group fan.
1: I mean, he, was, he sang, was it Golden Lights? Which was originally by Twinkle, who has the best story, right? Twinkle is a 60s British girl. She grew up filthy rich in a mansion in the suburbs of London. And she's like, I just, she's like, she was such a rebel. She's like, I just didn't want to do anything. I just want to, like, write songs and, like, drink alcohol and, like, be on the back of my, like, boyfriend's motorcycle. Golden lights displaying your name. Golden lights. And so she wrote. I mean, this is another thing. This, like, 16-year-old, you know, very wealthy girl is writing, like, biker songs. <laughs> oh, my and, gosh. and so Golden Lights is one of them, which Morrissey covered. He loves Twinkle.
0: Golden lights displaying.
1: And she also did a song called Terry, which was basically leader of the pack, but as a British record. Said to me he right. So Terry, um, her lovely boyfriend who like had, you know, maybe I don't know if he had too much to drink, but one night he took off into the night. It was raining. And oh, look my out. God. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the BBC banned Terry and Twinkle was a star. Yeah. So, yeah. So so Morrissey, big um, Sandy Shaw. I also Mor-
2: Morrissey writing a lot of you can be behind me and if, if, if you want to hit me, I'm cool with it. Maurice, he seems like he'd be that kind of man. Right. <laughs> no, you know, no shade. Yeah,
1: so he's a big girl group fan. Saint-Étienne, the band, huge girl group fan, French pop. Um but then uh, that's that's Sarah Cracknell, so she's this female. So uh, other men, I mean, the
0: Ramones. Yes. Right? I would agree. Yeah.
1: They they love the Ronettes. Um, I mean, their whole you sound is yeah. based on that, I think. Needles and Pins yeah. is so
0: girl group. Totally.
2: I saw her it. I saw her face. It was a face I love
1: But you know, it's funny, the Shangri-Las have somehow been elevated to this place. It's like Blondie, like Because yeah. there's a lot of men that don't like to admit they're into like things that are too soft. You know, they see softness as weakness. I hope. I hope this is like my new mission. Is like that. That needs to change in our society. Softness seen as weakness. It's actually strength. So the Shangri Las because they're kind of badass. They're in leather. They have motorcycles on their sleeves. You know, they're kind of chewing gum and like being nasty. And they're not playing the game. They're not pretending they're innocent. Is she
0: really going out with a there she is. Let's ask her. Betty, is that Jimmy's ring you're wearing? hmm. it must be great riding with
1: Therefore, this. that is, is almost safe for for masculinity. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So so I think it makes sense that kind of like the, a lot of these rocker guys, like we like the Shangri you know?
0: Laws. <laughs> 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 makes They're sense. cool, you know, because they're not soft. Yeah. Sheila, you knew that this was coming, and and now it is here. What are your Desert Island Discs, the most essential girl group albums of all time?
1: Okay, one, it's not about albums for girl groups because...
0: It's singles. Yeah,
1: only only the handful of like big, like, you know, really famous girl groups got to do albums. And usually on those albums, you had a few of the hits and the rest is filler, as in covers and um, standards. But you cannot go wrong with presenting the fabulous Ronettes featuring Veronica that was the first Ronettes LP on uh, Phil Spector's label Phillies. and every there is no filler all killer no filler there is it's just everything <laughs> is remarkably amazing so i and i i find it's such a warm comforting record again Ellie Greenwich Cynthia Weil they're all over that record so it's safe even though a monster you know, the monster the producer was the monster there are other you know Women that are a part of that album. So that is number one. With a bullet. Yeah. The Shangri La's Leader of the Pack album and the I Can Never Go Home Anymore albums, both great. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, that song.
0: Because you can
2: never go home anymore. Oh, so
1: dark. And that's called Sad. Mary Weiss of the Shangri Las is truly one of the great actors of our time. Um, You've okay. met her, right? I have. Yeah, I went out. I went out to Chinese food with her.
0: Oh my god! And I was
1: dating a man that was a, that was like ten years older than me at the time, and she just like she's like, and her was her husband there? No, he wasn't there. But she kind of leaned over to me. She's like, honey you got to go younger. (laughs) She's like, my husband's 10 years younger than me. Trust me. It's a good idea. And I always kept that in my mind. (laughs) I love it. No one had heard from her for many, many years. And she was hard to track down. And then like 10 years ago, yeah, I think it was like 2006, 2007, she, no, even earlier than that, 2005, like returned to the spotlight made an album on Norton Records and was doing interviews. And so, yeah, that was a time when Mary Weiss was out and about. It was very exciting. Very cool woman. God, and she still has the same hair. Um, Where were we? Great, greatest? Yeah, your Desert Island Discs. Okay, right. So there's a record. Here's a great title. A Girl in Love Forgives. He Can Break My Heart and He Can Make Me Cry. A Girl in Love Forgives, The Fellow That She Loves.
2: He can break my heart and he can make me cry.
1: Sorry, the lyrics are so terrible. But I know, I'm just throwing it in the trash in my mind. It's glorious. And it's, a, it's by a girl named Bernadette Castro, who's the daughter of the Castro convertible beds or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and now she's like in Jersey politics. So that, that she made that record in like 1964. Beautiful song. The Cookies I Never Dreamed, co-written by Carole King. I
2: never dreamed that would be
1: After the Ronettes, "Be My Baby," that's the greatest girl group record ever made. So euphoric. The Cookies were had such an interesting story. They were backing Ray Charles in the beginning, then they became their own thing, and they worked with Carol King and Jerry Goffin and did a song called "Chains." The Beatles loved "Chains." Okay, here's another boys that love the girl groups: the Beatles. They were covering yes. that yes. Stuff all the time, right? Okay, what else? Oh, this is such a hard question the three degrees collage best psychedelic soul record I, I think ever made on the roulette label i think that's
0: 1968
1: the supremes you can't go wrong with any of their records you keep oh my me God. hanging on my world is empty without you my world is empty without you you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, just go get yourself a best of the Supremes. Yeah. Not go wrong.
0: I hear a symphony. Whenever you're near, I hear a
2: symphony.
0: There's something about that song that makes me cry and I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? <laughs> can you explain to me? Because there, it's not a sad song. No. It's a it's happy song. It's gorgeous though. It's a,
1: so emotive. It's just like, it's like stirs that the magic inside. I yeah. can't explain. <laughs>
0: There's something about the way it keeps modulating. Mm. It's like climbing a, an mm-hmm. emotional mountain and then it's like too much for me and I start to cry. <laughs> How it, incredible that that can, song can do you're that. you emotional <laughs> elevation <laughs> is too much. And it just sort of like, it doesn't really end. It just sort of like fades away as if they're still singing it while they're walking away from you. Yes, them. totally. Like you can just sort of imagine them modulating like infinitely. <laughs>
1: Another underrated girl group, the Chiffons. I mean, they had they had you know big hit with He's So Fine, but they have so many other records. So if you get a best of the Chiffons, can't go wrong. The Exciters. I Brenda, was waiting for you to say the Exciters because oh, I was like, where is the Exciters? Oh so that's Reed in the top of my list. Of the Exciters has the most excitable voice in pop music. <laughs> she is my favorite voice in pop. Tell him was a massive hit. That is, I love Such that song. song. I put it on every mixtape. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. It's just, just thrilling. Doing God's it's work. Thrilling. <laughs> and they do. walker moss who is a member of the exciters is someone that i had met for lunch recently and she's just such a badass you know and she looks amazing and she's you know these women i love are that you just there.
2: randomly meet yeah are
1: you ha-
0: are you doing business with these women or are you just eating delicious food
1: i'm eating delicious food i mean i do work in this realm you know i put together compilations mm-hmm. but i just want to be close to the people that made the music i love you know and just oh to God. meet these women and be like you were dressed in a in a red sparkly dress on stage at the peppermint lounge in 1963 like and you're still here with us today like i just want to <laughs> honor you i want to honor you and like all your greatness and all the joy that you've bestowed upon you know
0: oh my god
1: me as a as a girl group lover
0: dj sheila b mm-hmm. are you a feminist
1: of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm part of the Bust alumni. Of yes. course I'm a feminist. First
2: craftacular yeah. event coordinator. Loud and our proud. first event person ever, right? Through the first parties. Yes.
0: Yeah. Sheila B. was our Bust magazine's very first party goddess. Oh, I loved working at Bust. I was so proud. And people were like, where do you work? I'm like,
1: Bust magazine.
2: <laughs> oh, we were such little babies. I
0: know. What have... Your experiences as a woman, establishing herself as a rock expert in such a dude-heavy industry, how has this tested your feminism? How has your feminism evolved as a result of your industry?
1: You know, I think that I would be much further along in what I do if I was not working in the pop realm. Because Mm. pop is just not – you say the word pop and people just – they turn off they're not interested. People are not interested in pop cuz they they have an idea of pop and it's But pop really is short wrong. for popular. I know, exactly, right? And you know like Twenty years ago, pop was Britney Spears, and people are har- horrified. Now, pop is Ariana Grande, and people are equally horrified. It's never been thought of. as Meanwhile, serious. I'm
2: over here like blackout. That album was so good. I love Britney
1: Spears. Totally. I mean, she made great <laughs> pop records, but it's and, it, and then it just takes a long time for these artists to gain respect. And then usually, when, when they do gain respect, it's by like the rock, um, you know, the rock establishment saying, "Okay, you know, we'll give we'll it let you." you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so. Even with my radio show, I've had so many responses of like, I didn't think I liked Girl Pop, but I love your show. It's like, hello, because your idea of what Girl Pop is Mm -hmm. does not actually, you know, Mm -hmm. is not really what Girl Pop is. And Girl Pop is such a broad term. But I keep hammering away at it. I keep saying like, I'm not going to, I'm going to go the pop route. I'm going to go the soft route. I'm going to go the melodic route and not veer from that because I feel that there's so much to be gained from it. And I think that I the, the rock establishment I always just find so tired because I feel like it's so disconnected from feeling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where we get so much joy is is from the feeling. So so even though you can be, like, really cool and, and, and respected by saying, like, yeah, I'm really into uh, the latest Afrobeat compilation out of, like, Germany, you know, put together by like all these like white German men who are like going into Africa and buying all these records. but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> um, the shade. Um, you know, it's like, it's just like, the, I'm not cool. I am not interested in cool, you know, but most people that are
0: in Sheila real talk, cool to me, you're so fucking cool. <laughs> like your life is the coolest life. You are, uh, you are in a book about cool ass people who collect vinyl. What's cooler than that?
1: Thank you for saying that, but I feel like I do not operate in a cool realm because cool is literally cool. It's like it's like detached. It's it's yeah. devoid of feeling. It's kind of like the kind of you know hands on hips being like, yeah, that's all right. Drinking haterade. Yeah, exactly. Where I'm just like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever, and it's so passionate. When she sings like, I love you, Bill. You know, my heart <laughs> melts. And I think that that's that's how I want. I feel like that kind of connection to feeling is so instrumental in joy. And so so when you talk about how my kind of navigating my feminism as I'm working in this field, it's like to staying true to that constantly, no matter how much at times I kind of want to be a part of the club that's like into what's cool, even though we'll just – not be cool a month later uh-huh. I just kind of st- I've always just stayed true it's like it's pop it's melodies for me as you know as much as I wish I could kind of be down with whatever it is that like the trendy kids are into like it I'm not you know if it's great I will be but I'm not following that kind of line of what you know it, it's just that's such a boys club thing too you know guys are like yeah man check out this record And everybody's like yeah it's so great it's so great but do, do they really think it's great or is it just kind of posturing like i'm so right. not into the posturing
0: mm. sheila you are such a gift Aww. you are not only a gift to your family at bust magazine but to girls all over the world i feel like girls are Aww. gonna hear your radio show they're gonna read your liner notes, they're gonna find bootleg copies of Cha Cha Charming, and they're gonna have a whole world of feminine, melodic music open up to them because of you. There aren't enough people out there championing this kind of music anymore true yeah. and it is really transformative and affirming as Marie Kondo would say it sparks joy <laughs> girl group sounds spark, spark joy, joy for and sure. you are the foremost champion of this art form and I don't know what the music scene and girls within it would do without you Aww. you are a pioneer softness That's and so a gift
2: Holding my heart.
0: Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for all you do. Did she we say me. what
2: time your show is on FMU? Did we drop the time it's slot?
1: 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Friday.
0: Every Friday.
1: It'll be the and it's softest part of your day. I play a lot of modern music as well. Like there's so many wonderful new female artists today that I'm out
0: supporting big time who have all that all the melody you could hope for. If it's okay with you, we're gonna take the shortest of breaks, and when we come back, Callie and I want to ask you, and we want you to ask us, what, what you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via WolfieVibesPublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. And we're back. Hello, and at this part of the show, we ask our lovely guest, DJ Sheila B., what you're watching? And when I say what you're watching, that is a very broad question. I mean movies, television, books, music, podcasts, the writing on the bathroom wall, anything that you are consuming pop culturally, we want to know about it because the, it is probably very cool. So oh can you take a moment?
1: Yes, but I've gone to a very dark place today. Oh, good. Oh, no. The
0: darker, the better. Because
1: I actually came here from a film. I went to see a movie called The Five Browns. It's a documentary. It's playing at the IFC about a family of five children that were raised to become piano geniuses. Classical music, right? Whoa. Under pressure. Oh, I mean, they were were woken up at 4.30 in the morning to practice, right? And so three girls, two boys... Just brilliant. All of them went to Juilliard as a family. Oh my God. And you God. see that, I mean, you know, these documentaries, they show clips of them on Entertainment Tonight and like CNN and, you know, every like show that's ever been in existence, they've been on like, wow, a family of like five piano, you know, classical piano geniuses. And then, of course, it comes to light that the father was molesting the three girls. Oh, Ugh. God.
2: Ugh.
1: so I'm just like a harrowing story. And the end was so beautiful because I'm not giving anything away, but they say, when people ask them, how is it you've managed to like be so successful to keep yourselves together? And they said, the music saved us. It was We were able to have this place to express ourselves whilst this was happening. Harrowing story. Brilliant documentary. And of course, this comes out off me watching Five Nights of the R. Kelly. Um, oh, oh, I had so right. many feels about that. Oh my that, God. Off. Which I, I mean, I was, my hand was on my heart like watching this because I thought, these girls are so incredible. I just, I wanna like put each photo of these girls up on my Instagram and say how much I support them and love them and find that all of them so brave. And how much I wanna say that I hate every single person that has come out and said, oh, that girl's just trying to make money or that girl's just right? trying to promote her product. Yeah, like, cause it's so you. lucrative
0: to come oh, out exactly. against R. Kelly.
1: Oh my God. I just thought, I mean, they were talking s- s- with such intimacy and such honesty. And I just thought, oh. Finally, finally. It's like the women are going to bring these men down. So I've been watching women bring sex predators down. And it's been a joy. I mean, I know people have say, oh, there's, you know, you will be triggered. Um, But I've been triggered in a positive way, feeling like there are so many people that are victims of sexual abuse, and
0: they're all coming out about it. And it makes me feel strong. Is there anything that you do self care wise afterwards? Like, do you take a silkwood shower? I take a shower. <laughs> I do. I take. You know, I shake. I go. I shake. They. You know. You know mm-hmm. what they say.
1: When you do the tingly fingers. Yeah, because they say that like animals when they go through trauma. You know, when you watch, say, like a I don't know a jackal get attacked by a lion and like not get eaten like the jackal will like shake itself off like crazy and then go and about its business right You're literally shaking it off yeah and so that's I think like we don't have that and I think we I need learned an that. interesting
2: cat fact the other day oh, that what? cats sprint around after they poop have you do your cat yeah my oh, cat yes, gets the sprints and they I didn't peg it to it. the poops and it's because if they're in the wild and then they pooped and another animal could smell it and then find them so that's the poop sprints oh. but they had a really funny word for it in the article <laughs> And I was like, "Oh my god, that's why my cat does this." I never pegged we it to the poop. We need poo. more of
1: this as humans. Like, I feel like we're what we're, poop and run.
2: Well, yeah,
0: <laughs> that might be a really good thing.
2: The people just see me running down the hallway. <laughs> she we're must have just sprinting
0: around Industry City. <laughs> Is there any new music that's lighting up
1: your synapses? Oh my god, so much new music—it's ridiculous. Okay, the best album of last year was the US Girls in a Poem Unlimited album. Every single song, absolutely genius. Kadia Bonet, one of the most soulful artists. Um, to me, she could be the new Sade, but she doesn't want to go that route. She keeps she's keeping it very experimental right now. Oh. Great EP called Child Queen. Yeah. I just had a girl on my show from Australia called Julia Jacqueline. She has a She's song. performing live, right? Yes. We heard that. And oh. It was,
0: it was oh, yeah. very lovely.
1: Yeah, she has a song called Body. I recommend it to every woman that has had a really uncomfortable breakup. The lyrics are extremely open and difficult and and sad. You know, basically she talks about, you have a photo of me naked. Like, how are you going to use it against me? Mm-hmm. You know, really difficult subject matter
0: Eyes on the driver hands in my lap heading to the city to get my body
1: back. Great pop record by a girl named Deidre and the Dark she has a track called One Night which is basically the perfect fusion of modern R&B and 60s girl group pop
0: People always ask how I knew
1: be on my show a couple weeks. Oh, I I could just go on and on and on. (laughs) I love it. What are you guys watching?
0: Kelly, what you watching?
2: Well, I've been on a lot of documentaries. There was a Susan Barch. I guess is how you say it. Susan Barch. yeah. Yeah, there's a documentary about her on Netflix. Basically, she was like a huge nightlife event planner in the 80s at the Copacabana, and her outfits were... Just watch it alone for the looks. Really? Yeah. She inspired all the club kids. She basically would not go out unless it was like over the top insane. Wow. And then she created the Love Ball in 1989, which raised 2.5 million to fight AIDS. That was the first time that most people got to see Harlem ball culture and like voguing. So it was a really good documentary. It's on Netflix and I don't know the name. Um, Then I saw the McQueen documentary. I believe it's just called McQueen. Is that dark? It's not that dark, you're not afraid of dark,
1: I'm not <laughs> no, but you know they didn't when, talk when it, too much when it about, ends about in his suicide. that's really tough, yeah. yeah, they didn't
2: really talk too much about that. I was studying fashion in college before I got into journalism, and I really loved his Highland rape show, mm. which a lot of people thought was super misogynistic, but that was like the point, obviously, and for people that don't know, it was the models came out, and they were wearing torn clothes that looked like they had mud all over them and there was blood all over them. And basically like boobs hanging out. Basically it was to look like they had been assaulted, but it was also comments on um, Ireland and like the raping of the, the fields and the environment there or Scottish. I mean, so that I always really liked the way that he took like some one thing and then transformed it into something else for fashion. Mm. So I just really liked the clothes. So I was there for that and then somehow I got onto this Hurt Warner Herzog movie. Have seen Fitz Carl Fitz Fitzcaraldo. Fitz Fitzcaraldo. It's from nineteen eighty-two. Have you ever seen I it? Seen it's it. insane. She's and there's a documentary about the making of it called Burden of Dreams. And basically it was like this film it was in the Amazon and they're trying to take this giant boat across a mountain or like a huge hill to get it to the other side of the Amazon because it's like waterfalls. So they try to drag it over the land, but he uses no special effects in the whole film. And they use um, Amazonian natives as the extras in the movie. And a bunch of people die in the making of this movie. It's bat shit. The whole thing is <laughs> bat shit. And when you watch the making of, you're like, there's no way in hell that ethically you could make this movie now at all. I mean, they're just tearing up the rainforest but like this was 1982 so they had no rules.
0: It was so unethical that they made the film and then they made another film about how unethical it was. Exactly.
2: <laughs> it was it was in, intense. But it was also really interesting because they just used no effects. Okay. I also watched Sex Education. Have you watched this show yet? Yes. I thought I was going to hate it. Also, I didn't know if I was in a place in my life where I wanted to watch children talk about sex because <laughs> that's creepy creepy. I'm not watching
0: it for the children. I'm watching it for Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson is a goddess. She's perfect she's person. She's so good in it. Except for the fact that, as my luscious research assistant pointed out, she is very bad with boundaries considering she's yes, supposed to be a therapist.
2: Yes, 110%. Yes. But it did turn him into a his own side hustle sex therapist at school. Right. My best friend Christian was like, oh, I I was debating whether I should watch that show. And I was like, it had me when this one guy was trying to teach. He's uh, a gay gentleman. He's teaching these girls how to uh, suck dick on a banana. And this one girl has a really bad um, gag gag reflex and had thrown up on her boyfriend's dick. And now he wouldn't let her suck, suck dick again. And as a person that has thrown up on a dick before, it is very traumatizing. As have I. And what wow. was, I mean, it's always terrible, but That's I, awful. this incident happened. How
1: do you, how do you overcome that? I, you I, like, I'm, I'm never, never doing this again. <laughs> I was with my,
2: my boyfriend at the time, he lived in a tenement. Uh, we were at his mom's house and she had, she lived in a tenement where the shower is in the kitchen. Me and his mom were really good friends. We still are. So I threw up on his dick and then I had to go into the kitchen to wash the vomit out of my hair in the bathtub that is in the kitchen. And then she's Mm -mm. knocking on the door because she wants to tell me some story. And I'm just like hiding in the bathroom like, no, don't find me. Don't find me. I have to say I threw up on your son's dick. If you find me,
0: <laughs> do you have to? <laughs> Maybe you can just say that you threw up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I will say, I guess I
2: could have avoided. Can we go further into
0: this topic? I'm fascinated. I, I really want to know: Have all men experienced this? I asked
2: camillo and nobody ever threw up on his dick. Oh,
0: okay. Based on your reaction, I'm guessing that not all women have experienced this. I've never, I haven't, because
1: I wouldn't let myself get to that point. If, like, the gag reflex kicks in, I'll be like. I mean, I wasn't
2: trying to get to that point. I just had eaten a bunch of Indian food.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, it gets worse. (laughs) If my memory is correct and I've only thrown up on a dick once, and you know that you're with the right dick haver, if you throw up on a dick and they, like, Commend you for going for the gusto, for really going the extra <laughs> mile. Like, Good job, and don't, and don't shame you about it.
2: That's how I you didn't know get that- shaved. I would, I was just like, "Fuck!" Wow. I'm sorry and embarrassed, and the cleanup is a pain in the ass.
1: Can I just say that it has been a long time since I've been in the bus office <laughs> and, and topics like this used to be like totally normal and now I'm sitting here a bit like wow I'm like I'm like you're actually blushing I'm like the virgin again you know welcome back welcome back. girls are so naughty (laughs) I've missed
0: you so much it's been a long
1: time (laughs) just
2: keeping it real I know
1: I remember we could can I just tell a bus story quickly please do one one of the former staff members I remember just being in such admiration of her because she she got up she'd be like oh my god my herpes is just like acting up and it's really bothering me today and I just be like you're amazing for just blurting that out in the office and if only all of the world was like this right? <laughs> her and her
0: herpes yeah <laughs> she she made her herpes her happies yeah wow
2: beautiful great.
1: we get poetry also <laughs> that's gonna go it. on
2: so good. like a license plate that's so good <laughs> <laughs> and then last um high maintenance High maintenance is back. I haven't watched it yet. Once again, I think someone's following me around and stealing my gags. Really? Yes. The last episode, but not your dick gags. Not my dick gags, but my tit gags. In this case, in this episode, the last, the second episode, there's this girl that keeps one tit out and answers the door and just does things that blows a tit out. I've been playing this game for like a decade now. It's called nipple chicken, and you (laughs) put a (laughs) boob. You put a boob out in an, in a, out of your shirt in a bizarre way and just go about your life until somebody says something.
0: Is Are you supposed to make them think that you don't know that your tit is out? Yes.
2: Last time I played this was at Governor's Ball a couple years ago, and I was wearing, like, a bikini top, and I had my boob out and up. So it was, <laughs> just <laughs> coming out the top. Just like. just, like, in in a wild way, a boob would not naturally bust out. And I'm just casually walking around and Camilla was dying because he was like, oh my God, nobody, they're just going to stare at you and not tell you. I was like, let's see how long it goes. And then finally somebody came up and he was like, ma'am, ma'am, I think your your shirt is messed up.
0: (laughs) And then one time. And then you said, congratulations, you've won won nipple nipple chicken." chicken.
2: You are a person that told me what is up. But sometimes like my friend Lori would do it sometimes when she didn't have, a lot of money for a pizza. She'd be like, let's see if he doesn't realize I have enough money for a tip and just throw one crazy. She had huge Did it ever boost. work? They would be so confused. They didn't <laughs> know what the fuck was happening. So she
0: would just give them however much money and
2: She was a piece. And <laughs> I don't support not paying, not tipping your driver. But anyway, that's how the scheme had originally begun. And then we've just been playing it in odd situations. Once I was playing it on the beach with my friends and a cop came by and we were just like, oh, look at this starfish. And the cop is, like, staring at us, like, do I say anything
0: to these women? You played nipple chicken with a cop?
2: Yeah, but you can be topless in New York, so what the hell is he going to say to me? Dude, one time I thought we were on a nude beach, and it was not a nude beach. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) The cop came up, and he was like, why would you guys think this is a nude beach? And I was like, well, apparently I've never been on a nude beach, (laughs) so I didn't know that there were signs because I thought this was a nude beach. How is one to know this is not a nude beach? And he was like, oh, you kind of got me there. And then, <laughs> How was I, was I to know you? that this was not a nude beach?
1: <laughs> so has this game popped up on high maintenance? Yes. No well, well, they didn't call it way nipple chicken. bring it chicken. back on
2: topic. They didn't mm. call it nipple chicken, but the woman was just out there hanging one boob out randomly. Okay. I know that they got it from me. Watch your friends. Mm-hmm. Saw the guy from high maintenance He wasn't stealing from me at the time. And he was at the Broad City premiere party. Oh, yes. Which I I should bump in the elbows with all the fancies. Saw Rachel Dresch. Saw Phoebe. Saw British Bake Off. Wow. Yeah, we were out there. Amy Poehler, but I didn't get to talk to her. And and there were little cheeseburgers.
0: If there's any party in this city with little cheeseburgers, I know you're going to be there. Oh, yeah. And you're going to be posted up next to the door that the caterers come out.
2: First place I went, baby! <laughs> I didn't have Tupperware, though, but that's, that
0: was... But word on the street is that you tried to smuggle beers out of the open bar, and you were caught. If
2: you're having an open bar, and you hand me an unopened beer that is on you, <laughs> I will get another one and put one in my purse.
0: Let that be a warning to all party
2: purveyors. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess I put one in my pocket and the guy saw me and I had to give it back. But he didn't catch the purse beer, so I was okay. Great. What have you been watching? I'm so glad you asked.
0: My favorite thing that I've watched since last we spoke was actually because of my luscious research assistant. And I want to point this out because my luscious research assistant is a gentleman of color. And he puts on black exploitation films that I, as an old Jewish lady would not feel comfortable watching on my own. But somehow I feel that if it's the idea of a gentleman of color, then I can partake of it with him. And my favorite movie that I saw since last we spoke fell into this genre. It's called Abby. It was on YouTube, and it was a 1974 black exploitation horror film that was based on The Exorcist. Oh. It was really good. It's about this woman who's possessed by the African sex spirit eshu Like the Orisha. It stars this woman named Carol Speed as the title character, Abby. And she's like very adorable. But then when she was in her, they give her like these sort of gnarly teeth and they make her ashy. (laughs) And she's like... One of the things that I really enjoyed about it is like the majority of the action in The Exorcist, that poor little girl was tied to the bed the whole time. So everyone was just coming to her. But this girl was out and about. She was on the town. She was having intercourse with a lot of people who paid the price. She was like being like swinging 60s. No, 70s. Mid seventies, she was like disco dancing, really living her best life. But Whilst, she's presenting
2: as a, as not a crazy person.
0: Well, it was like she would flip on and off. Like she ah. would look like a like a sensuous Clarel Miss Clarel woman, and then like. Once things would get more intimate, she would be like, "Ah, when the teeth come out. This movie, actually, I was really surprised that it did really well. It it grossed $4 million in a month in the 70s, which was like really a lot. And Yeah, some movies don't make that. I know. And it would have made more, but it got pulled because... Um, For copyright violation for being too derivative of The Exorcist, which is
2: not even
0: fair because Yeah, that's what
2: spoofs are all
0: about. The filmmakers were like, it was inspired just as much by Rosemary's Baby as it was. And I think that it is far superior to The Exorcist. I enjoyed the possessed woman being A, a grown ass woman and B, having like a lot of sexual agency, whereas Reagan was just masturbating with a crucifix. Yeah. I don't know. I liked it a lot. The acting is good. Like, it's not dumb. The movie is good, and I liked it, and it was great. Here for this. You can find it on YouTube. Abby, A-B-B-Y. I watched another documentary on Netflix called Catwalk, Tales from the Cat Show Circuit. And if you want something that's so relaxing, like the most relaxing. Team Ooh La La. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it is Canadian. So even though these people are fierce competitors, they're also friendly friends and they're also very supportive of each other. They follow these women around the competitive cat show circuit in Canada. And first there's this woman who has this fluffy white cat named Bobby and she thinks she's the shit. Bobby is
2: a basic ass cat.
0: (laughs) But Bobby is, he's a Himalayan and he's real friendly. He's white and he's like very playful and relaxed and friendly. So when the judges like dangle hoo-ha's in front of him he's like wee! and he charms all the judges but then out of nowhere this woman shows up with this giant fluffy red persian named ulala it was like literally the textbook perfect fluffy cat like the fluff literally the fluffiest cat in the entire world like she brought this cat out and this grumpy judge came over and started running his fingers through Oolala's fur and going goosebumps. in thirty-five years of judging cats, I have never seen a more perfect cat in my whole life. And he was just like feeling this like, cat and he looked goosebumps. like I have goosebumps. And then he looked like he was gonna cry. And then I felt like I was gonna cry because he was gonna cry.
2: Oolala is so great. But the one, the the basic bitch cat sonar she a little cuckoo bananas. At one point I was like, is she gonna hurt Ulala? Well, is that I where this she is? She wasn't going gonna to really hurt Ulala, Go but she
0: was hoping that Ulala would somehow get hurt because Ulala was bringing down Bobby's rankings. Oh my god, it's so good. It's called Catwalk, and I loved it so much. And speaking of cats, sometimes if I'm watching something that's too embarrassing for me to say that I watch it. I blame it on my cat. So, um, <laughs> so what did your cat This watch? week, my kitten Irving demanded that I watch <laughs> Celebrity Big Brother 2 on CBS. Because I would never watch that kind of trash. But Lil Irv was like,
2: please let me I watch. Read a I l- want to watch Anthony Scaramucci. Let me watch. I read a little blip that somebody was like, I don't really watch this show, but my coworker just told me. That one of the Braxons dropped a shrimp on the ground and Kato Kalen slipped on it?
0: Yes! Tamar <laughs> is the shrimp dropper and Kato Kalen is the shrimp slipper. I don't watch Big Brother if there aren't celebrities because like I was a big fan of Surreal Life. Like I want to see celebrities surreal who literally need the money forced to live in a house. That's what Kaelin I want to watch. even a celeb anymore? I mean, not anymore, but I, I mean, line? I'm old enough to remember the O.J. trial. What did he do before that? Nothing. He was just O.J.'s house guest.
2: He, he literally right? did he nothing. He literally did nothing, right? Yeah,
0: literally. So living together <laughs> on the CBS lot with Les Moonves' wife presiding over them, Tom Green, Tamar Braxton, Olympian Ryan Lochte, Dina Lohan, mother of Lindsay. What? Candy Burris, who wrote No Scrubs. Oh, my God. And who also is on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Anthony Scaramucci, a.k.a. The Mooch. The Mooch! Lolo Jones, who is both a summer and winter Olympian. Ricky Williams, who is actually very intriguing. He used to be a professional football player, but now he's getting his degree in Chinese medicine.
2: And when Kato
0: Kalen was constipated, Ricky Williams laid hands upon his abdomen and made him poop, but not on him. Like he was able to get to the bathroom, but you just see, kato kaelin like running he just had house. like a
2: poop touch
0: well it wasn't just one touch he gave him an intense abdominal massage and he was like sweating and, and then
2: like, did kato kaelin yeah. run around the house
0: yeah he ran <laughs> he ran around the house to get to the toilet but time. then did he
2: get the poop poop for you and sprint after
0: that <laughs> <All right. laughs> natalie eva marie who's on wwe jonathan bennett who is the judge of cupcake wars used to be on mean girls the movie. Oh. And as we, the aforementioned Kato Kalen. This so is like, So like you want to see, like you want to see them interact because it's just like, are you serious right These now? These are as
2: random of people as that I think are currently on
0: The Mask Singer. Right. They need the money. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, so they're going to fight to the bitter end because if you get to the end, you get $250,000. So Lil' Irv, my kitten, is forcing me to watch it. <laughs> and... It just started and there's already been six episodes. So it's like one of these things that's on like three times a week. That, my friends, is what I've been watching. I would like to thank our producer, Rachel Withers, and of course, our luscious sound engineer, Logan Del Fuego. (laughs) And of course, our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. You cannot find Callie on Twitter. Don't try. Don't. Sheila B., what about you? DJ Sheila B., on Twitter. on
1: Twitter, on Instagram.
0: You can email us. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com.
2: Callie W at bust.com.
0: And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash pop tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Rating and reviewing helps us get the word out. And we super duper appreciate it. Until next time. <laughs> <mwah>! <laughs>